Pick 6 Podcast, Will Brinson here as usual, every day, every freaking day. Hope you guys are enjoying the new format. 30 minutes, 5 topics. Joining me now, we're going to break down some Jets draft stuff, some Jets offseason, some general uh, tomfoolery. Dan Hansis of NFL Media, NFL.com, NFL Network. Dan, what's up, man? You got it all. I like there was a little bit of darkness that crept through there every freaking day. Just crept in there a little bit. Maybe something about the construct of your own heart was coming out there. <laughs> uh, that was my wife speaking through me because she's she was like, "Oh, that's cool that they're making you that they're letting you do this podcast every day the first two days, <laughs> and na- and now like ten days into it, she's like, who do I need to talk to about this everyday podcast you're doing?'" Um, <laughs> to her credit, she did well, just. I'm excited that you have it. You're a perfect guy to do the everyday podcast. Well. Yeah, well, yeah. I was pumped up when you uh, reached out to me. No, I was I was excited, and uh, I'll start it off by asking you, where would you rate in your life moment? So um, I was hanging out with you and Mark Sessler, uh, amongst and Greg Rosenthal, and and and, a, and various other you know media people at the owners' meetings, um, and I, I legitimately had a chuckle for for like two or three days after getting back from Orlando, after fighting through a, a very brutal 7 a.m. coach's breakfast about the, mo- about the moment. Uh, I think it was the, pretty much the end of the night on, on Monday night when you asked Mike Tirico to mean mug with you in a selfie. And, and he said, I think he said, I don't know if he said just, I think he just said, just take the picture, Dan. And, and, and like, where, uh, where does that rank for you as a Tirico fan in, uh, in, in the pantheon of, of uh, moments as a media member. Well, I wish I wish I could. T- I want to give you the exact quote because if you would have said Dan at the end, it would be a little bit more personal, a little bit more <laughs> like God, ah, Dan, just take the picture. But no, it was, it was literally just take the picture. <laughs> he but, was so you know, annoyed. It, to, to Mike's credit, I had uh, accosted him earlier in the party. There were many vodkas involved before this, and uh, told him what a big fan I was. And then when I bumped into him at this after after party. Uh, that's when I decided to go for the picture. I don't even know why one would request a mean mug with Mike Tirico. That was completely unnecessary anyway. So ultimately, I got to say that his decision to just say, take the picture, is the way we should have gone in the first place. And it's, it's worth noting, too. And by the way, if uh, there are more stories about this these, these this after party on the Around the NFL podcast, which Dan hosts, you can also check out Dan on the Throwback Pod which I am a fan of. I listen to two of your podcasts, Dan. That's a, thank you for coming on uh, the the one of mine wow. that they've given me. But, well, but we'll get into I the music. Like I have a greater connection with than my wife. <laughs> That's pretty uh, special. Well, I mean, in the the reason being is that it's easy to listen to the Throwback Pod because you and your you and your buddy uh, Bob that you grew up with just yeah. sit sit in a garage and listen to music. And so for me, if I'm like, it's a great podcast to listen to when I'm traveling and I'm trying to do work or if i'm like or if i'm, re- if I'm reading because you get the music in the background without actually having to spotify it up and you know it's a, you know, like you said it's a throwback so um but well, I, I appreciate that yeah that that's the goal there and, and we do get criticism on that podcast of we're talking about you know some memory from 10th grade uh during playing over like one of the biggest hits in the 90s so maybe it's not the perfect model for you know i'm glad you're a listener uh, well, yes. Well, and um, the the thing about the Tariko thing too is that if you look at the photo on your Twitter account, Tariko's Tariko's literally smiling like he's 
the happiest guy in the world to have met you, and yet he is uh, he is he was clearly, as I can attest, um, slightly annoyed. All right, let's dive into the NFL stuff. You were a jet. <laughs> <laughs> he was slightly annoyed. I like that. Yeah, he was. I wouldn't have it any other way. One of my heroes in broadcasting. <laughs> he's uh, he's he's one of the best. He's a true pro. Just an immediate yeah. take the picture, man, and and into this just enthusiastic yeah. smile. Um, <laughs> the Jets this off season. Give me a grade for how the Jets did. Uh, it, it just a gen- just a general grade, and your feeling about how big uh, big Mike McCagnan and the Jets did this off season. Uh, I'm not going to, I want to say incomplete, but that would be a cop out. Uh, yes. I would say for all non quarterback related, and I guess with the moves they made, so I'll, I'll include that. Uh, I would give him like a B minus. I that... thought they addressed some issues, and I think the quarterback, the, the setup of the quarterback situation, I think has been handled quite well in, in the sense that it's apparent that. They're not messing around. We're even hearing reports that they're not even going to bother keeping Christian Hackenberg around for year three, which is fairly remarkable for a second-round pick who's never played. But they're cutting the cord there, most likely Bryce Petty, same deal. And they're just remaking the quarterback room, and, and then everything now swings to the draft, which we'll really decide to find out if Mike McCagney keeps his job and if the Jets ever come out of the malaise. But I think the the other moves they made, solid. I, I think uh, – Avery Williamson was a nice signing at linebacker. I think Tremaine Johnson was a big signing for Todd Bowles' defense. This is a guy that was, you know, his roots in the secondary, and he's never had a real solid uh, secondary in his three seasons with the Jets. He thought he had one when they re-signed Revis and brought back uh, Antonio Cromartie, but we know that didn't work out. But now with Marcus May and, and, um, of course, Jamal Adams, you put him with Tremaine Johnson – and you get to you keep uh, Mo Claiborne and put him as the second corner, Buster Screen as a slot guy. That that's a pretty good secondary, I think, if they stay healthy. I think you could actually make an argument that the Jets have had the best off season of any AFC East team. Is that crazy? Oh, I like that. Well, I think it sounds a little crazy because I haven't heard it, but it doesn't mean it's not true. Tell me more, Will. I like to hear this. Well, the Dolphins are a train wreck. I mean, they're taking a $22 million cap, dead cap hit with Indomitian Sioux. They don't really yeah. have any, they don't have any direction. They extended Ryan Tannehill to free up cap space. Um, you know, the Bills traded away Tyrod Taylor, and I like, the Bills always, the Bills have had confidence under Sean McDermott and, and Brandon Bean, and I think that they know what they're doing. But, I, I also worry that, you know, they're, they're in the middle of a rebuild. They got a little lucky last year with the playoff run and they're, that they're more likely to end up in a situation where they have a rookie quarterback and they're not coming out ahead. Uh, and they, they're still sitting there with the 12th pick in the draft. I mean, that's not the number three pick. And then the Patriots to me have lost no. a lot of players. You know, they lost Nate Solder. They lost Deion Lewis. They lost Danny Amendola. These are critical guys around Tom Brady. And not to mention, and this is another thing I'd like to talk about with you, the infighting with the Patriots. What's are the are the Patriots coming apart at the seams? In play, and you know, and if you're a listener uh, to our podcast, you know that Greg Rosenthal, who who is from the Vineyard and knows, or he won't say that, but that's what I've always uh, positioned. Uh, he's from Mass, but he's a Patriots fan. He goes back a long way with that team, and I'm always throwing it out there that, oh, this is the beginning of the end for either Tom Brady or the Patriots. Uh, and Greg's default answer is usually, ah, no, don't worry about it. Not a big deal. And he's always right, as we see, year after year. And that's 
So I'm trying not to get, as a fan of an AFC East team that is not the Patriots, I'm trying to not get over excited about the situation. But who are the three most important uh, figures in that organization, if you don't count Robert Kraft? It's Tom Brady, it's Bill Belichick, and it's Gronk. And the two players involved in that, in, in that top three all across with the coach. And I don't think that's going to back down to anyone. In fact, I, I look at that, and I think uh, that Seth Wickersham profile from early December, which a lot of the people that look to protect the Patriots, uh, both inside and outside the building, Patriot Way, try to discredit that report. But it all seems like Wickersham's reporting has really panned out to be uh, accurate. And a big part of that piece, and what I thought was the most fascinating part of that, was that Bill Belichick, one thing he wants to do before he ends his career is establish, uh, leave the Patriots in a place uh, post Tom Brady that shows just about Brady and me hooking on with the best quarterback ever. I'm the man. I am the greatest coach. There's a lot of ego involved, and that's not even a put down of Belichick. And that's what makes me think that Belichick might be willing to blow up this whole thing, go get a quarterback this month, and maybe not this year, but very soon begin the process of a new Patriots era sooner than people might expect. I can see it all happening, and it would be without Brady and without Gronk. That's what I tell myself to get excited, but I'm, again, trying to stay calm. Well, it's weird because if you're a Patriots fan, you should act like Greg Rosenthal, and you should say things like, eh, you know, we got five Super Bowl rings. It's I been a good it. run, but but there, but like I I know Patriots fans who argue, who spend time, actual time and energy arguing whether or not it's Bill Belichick or Tom Brady who's responsible for this magical run. It, like get a life, guys. It's both. Right. You have the greatest coach. Exactly. And and the greatest and the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. And it's not it's not one or the other. You just you're lucky and and, and accept it and move on. And so I can I mean. I can see a situation where Belichick does believe that people think that, does want people to know he's the greatest, and, and I don't think you're—I uh, don't think you're totally off base. But uh, I, I doubt that this is the year where things fall apart. I feel like this might be a red herring leading to another Super Bowl run. Doesn't it? I—that's what I, in the back of my mind, feel the same way. I'm just trying to spin positive internally in my mind, but I kind of see the same thing. Well, I think. They're still well set up. And and like Greg says in our podcast and on NFL.com is that even with the wide receiver group is compromised right now and really, uh, and you're missing now Malcolm Butler, who I think obviously we know what happened in the Super Bowl, but he's losing him, I think was a big piece. And you just get the feeling though they're going to figure out a way and they're going to, by late December, they'll be, you know, have 12 wins or so and be the team. Everybody says is the team to beat in the AFC at least one more year, but, it does feel like we're reaching, approaching the end of something. I agree. <laughs> we can, well, you can only hope, and you and the rest of the yes. Jets fans, uh, and Bills Slowly. fans, and, and Dolphins fans. What's yep. your best case scenario for the Jets at number three when Big, Big Mac turns in that card at, uh, at on April twenty sixth? <laughs> I think it is. I'll start by saying I'm, I'm not a, a draft expert, but I have been really studying these big four quarterbacks because that's why, and I know. Some people criticize the Jets for giving up too much, but to me that's all BS because what they did by moving from six to three, they promised, they guaranteed uh, that they would get one of these guys. So now it's who's the who's the guy to get, 
this time last year, which was one of the more grim times, maybe the, the most depressing time in my history as a Jets fan in terms of rooting for the team. This time last year, there was just no hope around the team. And there was this general thing I talked about on the podcast before it's Sam Darnold. Let's, let's drop a one in 15 hammer and, and get this guy with the first pick. Let's go stupidly uh, have a three game winning streak uh, in September and October. And that becomes an impossibility or so we thought. And so my dream scenario, just because he got Darnold, if the guy's being compared to Andrew Luck, uh, I am all in on uh, Sam Darnold. If, he, if by any chance he falls to three, which he probably won't. But if you're talking best case scenario, the Browns take Josh Allen, let's say the Giants do a Giants thing and take Bradley Chubb uh, or maybe the guard out of Notre Dame. And then, and then Darnold falls into the Jets' lap. Now, good things don't happen to the Jets typically, but that would be a very good thing in my opinion. Yeah, and if um, I think the rumors out there and literally nothing, anything you hear this time of year is, is more than likely just 100% false. But, you know, the rumor out there is that Dave Gettleman and the, and the Giants have Sam Darnold atop their draft board. And then the other rumor, and I think that – uh, you know, Pete Prisco's mentioned it on this podcast, and I know Daniel Jeremiah mentioned it on NFL Network recently, but that people think the Browns are starting to really laser lock in on Josh Allen. Where would your, where would your head be if Darnold went one and then the Jets went Josh Allen at three? I mean, that freaks me out a little bit just because <laughs> I have, just like all Jets fans have a lot of PTSD connected to a big-armed, impressive-looking quarterback with accuracy issues uh, in the post-Hackenberg world that uh, Jets fans exist in. And I know I know Josh Allen is a lot, a uh, much uh, better prospect coming out of college than Hackenberg was. Uh, but I don't like the idea of this guy could throw it out of the barn this guy throws the ball into the ocean. He throws it over the ocean, out of the barn, <laughs> through the barn. I, like all that stuff, you know, calm down with that a little bit. I, I assume the arm's going to be pretty strong. But give me a guy that can put the ball on target, which is why there is the other part of me that Darnold is, is the pie-in-the-sky safe guy. I read a Josh uh, Rosen ESPN profile today, and I'm like, I want Josh Rosen. But then there's this Baker Mayfield thing that's hanging over everything where it's like, ah, you know, it's been – it's really sucked being a, a, a following the Jets and their quarterback situation for the, for the past 40 years or so. Let's just roll the dice and screw it and get the most accurate pass or the most charismatic guy, and maybe he really becomes Namath part two. So there is this part of me that really wouldn't, would be so pumped up if they took Baker Mayfield, but I would be scared as hell also if that happened. Yeah, I mean, there's like – I'm, I am all for the Jets taking Baker Mayfield and not, and mainly because of two reasons. I mean, one, I, I need the page views. It's getting, you know, it's <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but I mean, seriously, shoot it straight into my veins in terms of Baker Mayfield in New York and that Jets media market. Like the, the Giants don't even, and I, OB, the Odell Beckham stuff is being covered in a, in a breathless New York type of way that, that's very annoying. And this wouldn't be happening if he played for the, the Chiefs and, was, right. in, was in some Instagram video or, or even like the Jaguars or um, maybe even the Saints. I mean, it, w- it just wouldn't be happening like this. Uh, it's because it's New York and, and I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want Baker Mayfield, the fun part of Baker Mayfield to be taken away because that happens so often when quarterbacks leave college and go to the NFL. Right. They, they end up becoming, 
you know, passe and bland. Like if Baker Mayfield went to the Patriots, it would ruin everything. And if he goes to the Jets, I feel like he will fully embrace the villainhood that comes with trying to turn around the Jets, the Namath level uh, swagger. And to me, that would be incredible to watch. There certainly is, and I'm not comparing him to Johnny Manziel, but you know, there certainly is a concern that it might just be too much for everyone involved, right? Right. I mean, he he certainly, and I've been very impressed with both Mayfield and Rosen during this pre-draft walk-up and, and the way they've comported themselves and, and not forgetting everything they're doing on the field and the pro days and the combine stuff, just the, the, the way they carry themselves, how kind of well-spoken and obviously smart uh, and and kind of compelling. And Mayfield, to me, is a guy, like you're saying, I think he would totally lean into that uh, I'm here to save the Jets angle, which maybe it would be too much. But again, if you just want to be a little pie in the sky, what if it's not too much? What if not only can the guy play, uh, what if he is the guy that finally once and for all puts the Jets on even footing or even above the Giants in the pecking order uh, in the tabloids, in just the New York culture in general. And I, I, in the Woody Johnson era, I know his brother Chris is running the show right now, but they, they have not been afraid to make big splashes in an effort to win over the city. And if Darnold's not there, which I'm assuming he won't, I think Mayfield is going to be very hard for the Jets to pass on because just going by their past history, uh, I think they're going to really love the idea of what he could be. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and, you know, the interesting thing, you pointed out that it was, it was smart to trade up from six to three. And I mean, I, I mean, I think everybody agrees that was a good move in terms of trying to get a quarterback. When Todd Bowles and, and, and Mike McCagnan said the, whatever the line was, like, we don't know who we're taking it. You know, we don't, we don't really know which, what we're going to do at three. Like we have like six players we like. It's like, well, right. that's stupid. Right. But then you start to really look at, look at the whole, construct of the way this draft is going to play out and it's it's not that dumb because if josh allen goes one and then like like you know no matter what happens unless like you know no matter what happens you can get one of josh rosen or baker mayfield and i tend to think that with the way that their setup is with that west coast passing offense that they will go with either darnold Rosen or Mayfield and they they looked at those guys and they said these guys are franchise quarterbacks guys who can step in from day one accurate passers who are not afraid of the limelight have played in you know Oklahoma UCLA USC big schools where people focused on them they can play for us out of the gate we can win games with these guys and you know it's just gravy if somebody takes Josh Allen before them and they have a choice between multiple guys that that's sort of where I land on this trade and that's why it's not too much to give up the second round picks that they did because somebody else was going to give up multiple first and it might have been the Buffalo Bills or even the New England Patriots to get the three. It could have been any number of teams. Yeah, I think the Bills were the ones that made the most sense. And uh, Chris Wessling on our podcast put it well that the Jets kind of checkmated the Bills with that move. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think the Bills are still trying to figure out how they're going to they're going to play this. But, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, you, you track the college game closer than, than me, Will. I, how concerned should a Jet fan or a fan of any team that's in the market for a quarterback be with with Oklahoma, the, the background there with Mayfield and the spread offense? I mean, that spooks me a little bit, too, whether he can actually – again, I know it was different, but uh, a Baylor with Bryce Petty, he fell in love, big arm, guy was successful, uh, but he never clear, he never really learned the NFL game and it wasn't coming to him. 
that would be the other fear I have with Mayfield. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, no, that's a good question. I, I think the, the good news for you and for Jets fans, if Mayfield ends up being the guy, is that Lincoln Riley, who's actually at East Carolina, um, before he jumped to Oklahoma and then took over for Bob Stoops, A is a really smart wonderkin type of coach. Like I would not be surprised if he eventually made the leap to the NFL. And mm. as such, he doesn't have necessarily, it's not like a full blown, you know, uh, uh, God, what's the, what's the offense at Mike Leach or the, the, the air raid. It's not like a full blown right, air right. raid. It's like a, it's like a pro style air raid, um, with like an NC state, uh, Eli Drinkowitz, the offensive coordinator runs it here. It's, um, it's, 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 he calls it pro tempo, I think is what he calls it, but it's basically like an up tempo offense that has pro style constructs into it. So it's just, it's not these guys just, you know, being Bryce, like Bryce Petty played in a full blown college offense. And I think, right. with, I think with Mayfield, and I was thinking about this yesterday, the thing that struck me about Mayfield that, and Steve, maybe Steve Palazzo was tweeting about Mayfield having open throws. Well, look at what the, look at what Sean McVay did for Jared Goff. I mean, that was the whole concept behind making, and for Kirk Cousins, behind making those quarterbacks better is giving them easily definable reads. Like we don't, we don't have to make this hard on the quarterback. If you have a smart right. coach, he's going to get the, get the throws open. And I think Mayfield has the arm and has the ability to throw on the run, to throw at different levels and, and is Russell Wilson like in that ability. So I wouldn't, I don't worry about that too much. I think it's probably a bit overblown, uh, because of that system. So I guess that's good news maybe. Uh, no, I'm sold. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Okay. Um, but so I mean, like, is the, is the worst case scenario for the Jets Josh Allen or is it, there's, I mean, there's no chance in hell they're going to take a Saquon. Barkley, I would feel right? like he would be the, the one that, that, well, you could say Mayfield's the biggest risk, but to me, the biggest boomer bus guy, uh, seems to be Allen and especially with Darnold and Rosen, they just seem to be such polished players and uh and and then you have Mayfield who is such an accurate thrower of the ball which you, you love and when you put it together with the leadership characteristics and the and the and the charisma and all that stuff and the success you have the Heisman like so those feel all any one of those guys those three guys I could very quickly would talk myself into it without any reservations uh but Allen would be the one guy where a you would point to, hey, this this is gonna be this is a roll of the dice, and then B, and I know this isn't how you should look at anything uh, in sports, but I look at the uh, situation where historically the Jets always make the wrong move. So if they were to take a huge chance, what are the chances they actually get it right? Historically, they haven't. Uh, so Allen feels like a guy that, oh, the, you look back in ten years. The Jets had X, Y, and Z to choose from, and they had they took Josh Allen, who washed out in four years. Like, <laughs> I fear that with Allen for some reason. It's just a bad kind of, uh, uh, as we call it on our show, I have a Sessler that that could happen with Allen. <laughs> it just scares me. Well, and uh, I mean, it's it's like, what if I told you that four? You know, it's like it's, it feels like a thirty for thirty where one team drafts a bad quarterback. I mean, do you almost think it's better that the Browns have the first pick and the Jets? Are in a, you know, like sometimes when you're, you're in a fantasy football draft, you're like, look, I like three running backs here. I don't really want to have to pick. I'm just going to let the guy in front of me pick for me. There's, it's almost kind of nice that the Browns are there. Like the, like the pressure is on the Browns to make the mistake. And if they get the wrong yeah. guy and, and the Jets don't, then you can sort of, you, A, you can point and laugh. And B, if they get the right guy and then the Jets, 
you know, it's like, well, the Browns, tip your cap to the Browns. They got the right guy. You know, I, I haven't really thought about that, but you make a great point because uh, what would be the one team in the NFL that would out Jets the Jets and making a quarterback <laughs> mistake? It would be the, it would be the Browns. Yes. So if the Browns do and they pick the wrong guy, then the, by default, the Jets will maybe land a guy that can play and be a quarterback for 10 plus years. And that's all any Jet fan wants. I mean, whether or not they end up with the best guy of the four, maybe all four of the guys aren't going to end up being big time pros. But I mean, the lack of stability at that position has gone on for decades. I mean, and it's not for lack of trying. They, they tried every method to try to get a guy in there that you could plug in for 10, 12, 15 years. And they just failed every time. And that's why this draft is so exciting for a lot of teams, including the Jets, because there's so much promise to, to find that guy that brings stability to the game's most important position. Yeah, I'm actually writing a piece for tomorrow. I think you can make the case that literally more than half of the teams in the NFL could draft a quarterback in the first round. I mean, clearly there's not enough quarterbacks to do it, but like the Chargers, Steelers, Giants, uh, Ravens, Cardinals, Patriots. I mean, there's, it, it's a crazy list of teams that, yeah, that are, they're going to be involved in this. It's, I think, I think this first round of the draft is going to be nuts. All right. Let's do and you so, look at teams like, ahead. you look at teams like the Dolphins and, and the Cardinals and, and, and the Bills who we talk about teams that would absolutely no brainer would love to move up and get a quarterback, but it's such crowded real estate. Yeah. It's just a really fun, unusual draft. But we we're a long way away from Eric Fisher and Luke Jokel at the top of the first round. <laughs> God, that two th- I mean, remember <laughs> the two thousand thirteen draft was one of the all time busts. I mean E. J. Manuel oh, and Geno Smith were our top <laughs> Mike Glennon. E. J. Manuel E. J. Manuel, Geno Smith and Mike Glennon were our uh Josh Allen, uh Josh Rosen and, and Sam Darnold. It's this is like a I went to I would go to radio. I don't know if you go to if you go to the draft, uh, but I would go to the draft every year at Radio City. And the difference between that 2013 draft, which was a real bus, obviously, uh, and the buzz the next year when Manziel uh, was in the building and he got drafted, and you see Drake running up the steps to celebrate, <laughs> and and just like the place was going nuts. Uh, yeah, this is going to be more like that, I think, uh, than uh, 2013. I'm are pretty you, sure. Are you going to Dallas? for the draft this year or are you going to be in uh, you guys are in LA no we're going to stay in LA just because it's easier between the podcasting and the writing side of things but uh, I'm curious to see uh, what kind of scene it will be I know everybody goes nuts about the scene in Chicago and Philly the last two years but I don't know maybe it's just my New York roots but there's something special about Radio City I hope one day the draft uh, ends up coming home to New York is how I, I view it because it's just the intimacy of it and the the history of it and just the setting right in the middle of Manhattan. I mean, that feels like to me such a great place for these guys to start their careers. But what do I know? No, no, I, I actually, I'm a hundred percent with you. And I, the, um, so I, I think I started for CBS in during the 2000, I can't remember if it was the 2011 season or the, yeah, I guess I did my, maybe it was like 2000 or 2010 was my first season for CBS. And then my first draft was 2011. So I'm a Panthers fan. You know, grew up a Panthers fan. Oh yeah, and I get I get Cam number one in Radio City, you know, like twenty rows back. That was one of the in you know, during the lockout with all That's the trades and, the, and the, yeah, it was a crazy rush. And um, yeah, I loved I loved that three day grind of sitting in Radio City, and there you you can't really you it's it's almost like being in a like on the floor of a, like a, a casino, but only in the slots <laughs> in like the the penny slots area without the smoking. Yeah. And in the, like a trade has been announced. The Jets have traded the fourth 
the fourth round pick, and you're like, you're just like, just kill me now. The Saturday's awful, you, but but the lights yeah, and everything just, was perfect. Yeah, and you hear the howling from the second, third balcony yes. uh, of the fans and everything. It's just, it's just a, a great vibe. And I guess the, the explanation is, and the NFL is always looking to make things bigger, but the venue maybe, uh, the event outgrew the venue, but to me it doesn't have to be that way. So we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah, they need to bring it back uh, every at least every five years. All right, we'll hit some random stuff on the way out. Uh, how do you Do you like Twitter? I do like Twitter on balance, and I think, uh, but I get why people that go on hardcore rants about Twitter, I get that side of it too, uh, but I think Twitter on balance is a good thing, especially, for instance, with our podcast, like our fans are so awesome and loyal and vocal and like to be a part of the show. I think it's it's great for communication in that sense, but then, and, and I know you've dealt with it, Will, and everyone else that has any type of platform you deal with total like douches that they, yes. they go out of the way to try to ruin your day or try to like uh, hit you where it hurts. And it's just like, that's when you, you think about it. Like, why does this exist? Why is there, you know, no restrictions in place to, to weed out the dummies, but that's really kind of life in general. So yes, on balance, I do like Twitter in on Twitter still. I, I am. I am too. If you could pick one song, to listen to have as your all right this is this because the pga tour is going to allow this they're going to allow players to pick walk-up music before the tee before they tee off i know we talked about you're not a i don't think you're a huge golf guy but if you or maybe sessler's not a huge golf guy if you could pick one song as your walk-up music to the first tee what would it be okay i love that idea yes that's a real thing Yes, they're gonna. It's in in New Orleans at a uh, at like a PGA Tour event. You're gonna <laughs> be allowed to like so Patrick Reed can pick like, um, I, I don't know, like like bleep you, you know, like Rage Against the Machine, like killing in the right. name of a few months. I think what I would do, and uh, I, I'm a huge U2 fan, so I think what I would do was uh, where the streets have no name, which has that kind of iconic yes. like 90 second build up to when the edge kind of explodes into the song. I would start it from the very beginning and literally just wait for that whole build until like Edge would start to the point where everyone's in about me making a big like fuss about myself. So I'll go long build of where the streets have no name uh, for my walk up music. You could even actually, I like this idea too. You could go out there, walk out, tee up. Wait until the build and the crescendo, and then hit the ball right as Edge <laughs> launches into the. Uh... Right when Bono comes in, <laughs> yeah, I like that. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll come out from like a smoke machine <laughs> as like the organ in the beginning, and then the Edge coming into the song, and then I'll just stand at the tee box and wait. Right when Bono's like, "I wanna run," then I'll let it rip. <laughs> I love this idea. This is this is this actually is such a dad idea. It is. It is. Um, all right. If you could go back in time and see any band at their peak, who would you choose? And when I have an inkling that you would probably go U2, right? Uh, I would have liked to see U2 on the TV tour in uh, 92. I, I didn't see the first, see them for the first time until the Pop Mart tour five years later. But uh, I would say the Beatles, uh, mm. but their concerts, it sounded like they just sucked because uh, Judas Girls screaming and the sound systems were bad. So maybe any – how about – this is going to be a cliche too. Oh, my God, am I a cliche? Springsteen, Born to Run Tour, or maybe a Dark Tour, 78. I'm I mean, a cliche. I can't fight it. 
I don't think that's. I mean, if you're a big, if you're a Springsteen fan, you can see Springsteen in '78. That's a pretty. Uh, that's yeah. pretty. That's a pretty special one. So yeah, that's a that's a good one. All right. Finally, why does voicemail exist? I think it's over. I, I think. Hope, uh, I wish. It's kind of sad. The only voicemails I, I'll ever get is like occasionally from my mom at this point. And it, it's kind of the end of an era. And uh, and I think I don't think anyone would raise a fuss if they just got rid of it. Right. Like who would get angry at this point besides uh, baby boomers and, you know, uh, greatest generation people. Yeah, I've like I've gotten a like, hey, your voicemail is full. I'm like, I don't. OK, like, I don't know. Sure. Maybe, maybe. Like it better be like super vital in terms of the uh, message uh, being relayed for it to be something where I have to dial into a voicemail to hear it. Yes. And I mean, I, and I can't imagine what that would be. No, I can't either. And I'm glad that my parents have figured out that you call. And if I don't answer, you shoot me a text and then I'll text you back and I'll let you know when we're calling. Uh, all right. Yeah, if, if you call me, if you call me and I don't answer, uh, don't leave a voicemail, just text me. And if I don't respond to the text, then I'm probably dead. <laughs> That's exactly right. And, uh, and, uh, you know, if I if, if I don't text you back within twelve hours, that that means that I'm I'm drunk or dead somewhere. Anyway, Dan Hansis. DM Dan, me too. DM me too. Yeah, yeah, DM, yeah. A DM I like the it's like the in the office, the wolf. The wolf when you text, DM, fax, call, and email <laughs> right. all at the same time. The wolf I forgot about the wolf. The the worst is when people email you and say, Hey, I I shot you a text or they tweet you and say, Hey, check your email. Like I have my email, I can yeah. check it. I'll. I don't need your tweet to tell me to check my email. Yeah, I'm kind of like I'm like everybody. Calm down a little bit about email at this point. Let's just what cannot be relayed in a text at this point. Let's just keep moving forward as as a society with the technology. Let's I or or move backwards and just eliminate all technology. <laughs> uh, Dan Hansis, thank you for joining the Pick Six Podcast. Uh, excellent as always. You can follow Dan on Twitter at Dan Hansis. H-A-N-Z-U-S. The Around the NFL podcast is fantastic, as is the Throwback Pod and Dan writes at NFL.com. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, Will.